Welcome to Impact and Freedom with your host, Jason Feldman. Welcome to Impact and Freedom. I'm Jason Feldman, and today I am so excited that we have John Barrows on the podcast today. He is a sales uh, guru, coach, keynote speaker. He elevates people and profession of sales, which is so cool. Um, I just listened to his last podcast with Jeremy Chen, talked about cold calling. Super awesome. Welcome to the show, JB. Uh, thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Look forward yeah, to man. I'm, I'm super excited. Um, so I, I, you, you have an incredibly, uh, incredible resume, but I really want to dive into your background. Like, um, usually people that get into sales, uh, it's kind of a transformation, right? So I'd love to know where you were, what got you in there, what got you through all the grinding and then, um, what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like you said, it's, it, there's no typical path to sales. I think, <laughs> right. I think it's all, we all end up here because it's kind of the default profession. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm 47, right? So when I graduated college, um, there was, or when I went to college, there wasn't any sales degrees, right? You couldn't get your degree in sales. Now, thankfully you can in probably about, I think about a hundred or so, uh, universities in the U S but you know, back then I, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I, I got my degree in marketing. Um, and then when I got out into the real world, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I like any of this stuff because I, I've always <laughs> been somebody that like, I just didn't, I, I always felt like the harder you work, the more you should get paid. Right. Like, mm. and, and everybody just didn't fit in a box. And so with marketing, it was kind of like, uh, I was going to be the assistant to the assistant, the assistant making 30 G's <laughs> right. a year, waiting two point two years for my 2.5% merit raise. I'm like, that just doesn't sit well with me. So, I mean, no offense against marketing, by the way, I, I love marketing, but, right. uh, but it's just not my thing. And so, so, you know, my first job was, um, I went to university of Maryland and DeWalt or Black and Decker, uh, is right there in Towson, Maryland. So they recruit heavily out of, out of Maryland and DeWalt, uh, for those people who don't know DeWalt, uh, Black and Decker owns DeWalt. And so okay. they recruited pretty heavily and they had this new, this, they called this the swarm team where it was effectively event marketing. They positioned it at a sales, but it was really event marketing. And so I feel like it was kind of cool. So you, basically they, they gave you a Dodge Ram pickup truck, right? With a bed full of tools and a group of five kids. Then they put you in a territory and they said, go to work. And all you had to do was drive around and demo tools at construction sites and everything else. So it was a pretty cool job. Um, and it was kind of sales, but it wasn't like I had to go on a construction site and say, Hey, uh, you're using that Makita drill. Well, why don't you try the DeWalt drill? And if they liked it, I would be like, all right, cool. Next time you pick up drills, go buy DeWalt instead. But I didn't have a quota. I didn't have like signing anything. Right. Um, and then after, you know, doing pretty well at that about six months and I got promoted to Home Depot, the Home Depot group where I had to, that was a little bit more sales where you had to take the Home Depot obviously already had to buy DeWalt and, and everything else, but I had to take the $10,000 order and turn it into a $50,000 order, right? Through clicks, mm. you know, through sell-throughs and, you know, displays and all that stuff. So that was a little bit more sales relationship with the managers and everything else. And then after about a year and a half, I went to Xerox, um, 
And that's where I got my formal sales education, right? I mean, I zero. I mean, Todd, not, not only not only did I sell copiers, but I sold copiers to the government. So, like, it, I mean, talk about selling a commodity, right? It's like, hey, forty five pages a minute over forty two pages a minute, yay, right? But it's handy, you know. Uh, that's where I learned relationship selling and and uh, and also solution selling because Xerox actually had invented quote unquote solution selling back in the late seventies and early eighties, and they had this killer sales training, like this eight week sales training program, which was bananas. And so I did that. Um, I also learned how to take rejection. Uh, and then I did that for about a year and a half. And then a couple of buddies of mine um, and myself started a company uh, doing outsourced IT services to the SMB market. So I ended up getting into startups, not because I like, I never thought of myself as a startup guy. I was, I'm an East Coast kid, right? And East Coasters, you know, back then 20, it was like, all right, get your job, do your, you know, do a good job, earn it, you know, get promoted and, and go from there. And, you know, entrepreneurship was for those weirdos out in California. <laughs> and, and, but my buddy was one of those weirdos. And so he started it and I jumped on board with him. And that's really where I kind of was like, holy shit, like this feels right. Like not only is the sale the part that I love, but also I, I now am, very directly responsible for the success of this business. Yeah, was that when I was at Xerox and was at Black and Decker, I did really well. I was top rep in each one of those companies in the regions. But I ne- I knew that I ne- I wasn't really making a difference. You know what I mean? Like no matter how much I sold, there was some kid behind me that was going to sell. You know, maybe as much. So if they, they could replace me pretty easily, and I would I'm going to have an impact on their stock. So startups, I was like, oh shit! Like I got I can make a direct impact on this, and so. That's where I just took off. And that's where I started taking all the sales trainings out there. I took Sandler, Miller, Hyman, Taz, Spin, you name it. I was taking it to try to figure it out. And I came across this one group called Basho. Uh, it was a sales training here in Boston that I loved. It was, it was, it resonated with me because it was this, it was super tactical. It wasn't this like big theory about selling or this huge process I had to follow. It was, here's how to send an email, send an email. Here's how to make a phone call, make a phone call. So I used Basho to help grow Thrive. Uh, we ended up being the fastest growing company in Massachusetts for a few years in a row. Got us to about 85 employees and about 12 million in revenue. Uh, and then we sold off to Staples. So Staples came and bought us. And I uh, spent about a year going through that integration and come to find out apparently I'm not a corporate guy. Uh, I don't have much of a filter and I really don't like playing politics. So uh, after a little <laughs> while, Staples offered me another position. They, they fired me. And, uh, and I was looking for a job and, and Basho came knocking and said, John, you want to be a trainer? And I was like, no. And they're like, why not? I'm like, I, I don't like trainers. And because up until that point in my career, the only type of sales trainers I'd ever come across were either failed sales professionals or professional presenters. And if you've ever taken training from somebody, you could just tell they haven't done what, or if they did it, it was like 20, 30 years ago, back in my day type of crap. I didn't want to be that guy, right? So they said, don't worry, you have to use these techniques to sell so you can train so you can get paid. And I was like, I like the whole practice what you preach thing, right? So I joined Basho, took on some bigger accounts, brought on some bigger ones. And then uh, to make a very long story short, they screwed it up and I took it over. Uh, so back in 2007, economy tanked, new CEO came in, fired everybody on the spot. Uh, I scooped up the training division and went off on my own. Well, went off with a business partner uh, for with Kensei Partners. And then about 10 years ago, went off on my own with JB Sales. And now I'm doing my training with uh, some of the cool companies out there. A lot of the SaaS companies. So like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Box, Dropbox, Amazon, Google, um, Okta, like a bunch of those companies have been training their teams and and trying to sell through this mess that we're all in right now. <laughs> love it, dude. What a, what a story. Um, a lot to unpack there. I love, I love the Cali weirdos thing. I, I love, um, cause I'm in California, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the, like the, 
West Coast, East Coast personality clash. It's yeah. so funny because our sales team out here, anytime we get people from like New York and New Jersey, it just they flips them it. sideways. Like, yeah, <laughs> just complete. It's like, dude, you can't t- like, that's just the way they are. It doesn't mean like they're being, they're not being a dick. Like no. they're just, that's, that's the personality. That is the personality. Like yeah. you don't, don't get all, there, there's know, a difference about with, it. I think the, and I, this is my joke about East coast, right? Is like, there's a difference between being rude and being direct. Right. right, and it, right. There's a fine line. It's like ego and confidence, right? There's a fine line between e- ego and confidence, but you know the difference. I right. don't think people understand the difference between being rude and direct. People who are not used to being direct feel like direct is being rude. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I disagree. I think direct is actually being polite in a lot of ways. Um, and my joke on the East Coast is Bostonians are direct. New Yorkers are rude. So there's, there's <laughs> your, there's your uh, <laughs> line. I love it. I know being direct is empathetic. It's like cutting out all the BS. Um, but it's just funny. Like in California, it's very, very sensitive. Everybody's very, yeah. very sensitive out here. Yeah. Well, everybody, I mean, these days everybody's fucking sensitive. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How is that? How, how is today's climate in I mean, you're in some of the largest corporations in the world. Like, how is that? It's because yeah. There's a, there's an entitlement factor here that, that has crept into sales that is really concerns me. And it's actually, it, I'm, I'm fine with it now because it's getting adjusted. Um, I, I personally think, especially cause you know, I, I spend most of my, my business in SaaS and tech. Right. And I think for the past 10 years, if you've been in tech sales, if you started in tech sales after 2010, I'm sorry, it hasn't been that hard for you. I mean, we've been able to get away with blasting out template generic emails, setting up bullshit, you know, demo calls with anybody with a pulse, asking Bant questions, droning through presentations and offering a massive discount to get deals. Like that's pretty much been sales for the past 10 years, right? right. And so what we've done, and, and I'm not saying it's the rep's fault, it's actually management's fault because we've over-engineered the sales process, right? We've grow at all costs, here's tech, you know, forget the fundamentals, a button seat that 60% is better than 0%. So screw it. If you don't hit your quote, it doesn't matter because we're growing like a weed. VC money's coming out of the, you know, from anywhere. Mm. Grow, 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 grow. Now that things fell apart, now you're seeing all these kids go, holy crap. Like I don't have the fundamentals to fall back on and actually really like sell, right? So now a lot of them are struggling. And then you add on AI on top of this and you have a perfect storm of some, I think there's a, there, there's a lot of, I'm watching a lot of sales reps get replaced right now, especially on the prospecting and like the SDR, BDR side of the house, the sales development reps who are, whose main job is to set up meetings. Mm. There's, I mean, most of them, again, we've over-engineered the process and we, this is not their fault. It, it's kind of like the trophy, you know, generation, right? Everybody bitches about the trophy generation. These kids, everybody wants a trophy, but it's not their fault because look, I, I, I'm guessing you're similar. How old are you? Uh, 43. Right. 43. So you and I growing up, like I'm guessing when you were bored, your mom kicked you out of the house and said, go, fi- you know, go, go play yeah. like I, whatever, like leave right. me alone, be home by dinner. Don't break anything. Right. right. So we broke things. We set stuff on fire, but we figured things out. Right. Yeah. Now. It, it, and, and, and so, you know, there's a, there's a lot to that. And, and when we lost, we felt bad. Right. Mm. So we still felt like we lost, but our parents didn't give us ice cream and tell us, okay. It was like, well, if you weren't first, second, or third, then figure it out. Go, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Now today they come in, you know, 10th and they still feel the same way you and I felt as far as, oh my God, I don't feel good. But now it's, oh, it's okay. Right. Yeah. And so it's not the kid's fault. It's the parent's fault for doing that to the kid. It's the same thing with managers right now. 
We've over-engineered the sales process. We've stuffed technology down their throat. And now we're wondering why they're not producing results. And so I think there's a, a real reckoning coming right now because what I'm watching with artificial intelligence, like, I mean, you, like I used, to, I used to roll my eyes at personalization at scale. I used to hate when people would say that, right? Because they would use these cadence tools like SalesLoft or Outreach or any of these tools. And they'd be talking about personalization at scale. And just because you change a name, a title in an industry does not mean that email's personalized, right? Right. But that's what it was. And so I would say, stop doing that. But now with AI, I mean, I'm seeing legitimate personalization at scale, like automated too, where you're getting super hyper personalized email that are super relevant. And if I get it from a rep, do I care if the email that I get is relevant and personalized to me, do I care whether it's coming from a human or not? I no, I don't care. Now, do I want to talk to a human? Absolutely. Mm. But but the problem is, is because most reps have lived in technology and they are scared to death of the phones these days, There's they don't have the ability to have conversations. They don't have the ability to relate to people. They don't have the ability to do anything other than pitch their shit. Mm. And so, and that's just not working right now. I think today there's, there was an interesting stat that came out from Gartner recently that talked about, they, they averaged out um, boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. B2B buyers. And they said, and the, and the results were that 43% on average, 43% of B2B buyers want a rep free experience. They don't want to talk to a sales rep when they're buying a, when they're buying a solution, which is to me is scary because I mean, that's not even including Gen Z as they come up. Right. So yeah. it's just going to get worse. But that's the bad news. The good news is, is that of those 43% that wanted a rep free experience, they had a 23% higher regret rate of what they purchased. Mm. So they regretted what they bought more when they didn't have a sales rep involved. So to me, that tells me that there's room for value. There's room for, there's actually significant value that sales reps can bring. It's just not what it used to be. It's not droning through presentations, you know, that stuff. I mean, I'm still coming across companies that are, that are trying to make the switch to solution selling and stop product pitching. And I'm like, you do realize that Xerox came up with solution selling back in the late seventies, early eighties. Like where have you been? Right. And that's just is, that's why I think a lot of them are in trouble right now. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I love the AI conversation and I like what I always find is like everybody freaks out at the next technology that comes out, but with AI, it's like, dude, it's a tool. It's like, you're just getting a machine gun. So like for the good sales rep, to have the ability to to be able to send out those emails and line the people up at the door, mm-hmm. fantastic. Bananas. I, I genuinely think, and I've been saying this for a while, that AI and these tools are going to make good sales reps great, great sales reps incredible, and average sales reps are relevant. And unfortunately, the mass audience of sales reps are, are, are average. Right. And, and so I just had this conversation with somebody on my team about just AI in general. And I think that that analogy can be like associated with any department. I think that oh, like the, the middle average is going to be Done. decimated. Well, I mean, think about, let, let's use the example of like, uh, you know, uh, paralegals, right? So, so law, law, right? You, you get, you, you pass the bar, you become a lawyer. Great. Well, what are your first things to do when you, like, you basically got to do bitch work, right? You have to do all yeah. the stuff where you're, you know, doing all the case, you know, looking for case precedent so you can give it to the lawyer who's the lawyer is going to argue the case in front of the judge. Right. Right. Uh, Hey, ChatGPT, could you um, analyze the entire Library of Congress for me to find the exact cases in the total history of the United States that are most relevant to the case that I have right now and tell me which one's most relevant for me to use? Like, I now don't need an entire group of people 
right? So it's like anybody that has that, and that's what I'm a little bit afraid of. It's like, where is that base going to, the base is going to be eroded. So therefore, what's the, how's the evolution going to happen to get to those great and good sales reps, great and good lawyers, right? Because the evolution up to that point is, is what makes them great, right? All that due diligence that they did and everything else. So mm. now it's going to be reps having to, or you know, anybody having to learn, to your point, how to leverage the tech to be able to get the results, to be able to learn from it and then leverage it, right? Because, you know, the sales yeah. rep of the future, and, and I think any job of the future has got to be like Iron Man right now. Like, you've got to think Iron Man, right? Where you have Tony Stark, he's the human being, right? And Tony, as a human, he's got everything. He's got, you know, he's good looking, he's rich, he's smart, right? All that stuff, jerk. Anyways, but, <laughs> you know, but if Tony were to go out there and fight that fight by himself about all these aliens and stuff, he would get his ass kicked. So what does he need? He needs the suit, right? Well, the suit's great, but the suit without Jarvis doesn't work. Mm. So you have Tony, the tech, the, the suit, and Jarvis. Now you got Iron Man. You can whoop some ass. So the sales rep, the technology like Salesforce or Salesloft or something like that, and then the AI, you can figure out how to put all these three things together, and you can make a real difference. A hundred percent. And I think that especially with like leveraging that tool, to, like solo entrepreneurship is going to be a huge thing, oh. I think. I mean, it already kind of is yep. becoming. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just think that, that that's even going to be bigger. A lot, a lot of the smaller teams, right? Like smaller oh, yeah. teams that do more. I think you're going to, I think we're going to see the first three person billion dollar company here in the next couple of years. Like awesome. think about that because, yeah. and I mean, I've talked to a lot of VCs and that type of thing too. And they're, they don't know where to put their money anymore because it used to be, you give 50 million to a company so they can build a go to market team. They can build an engineering team and all that other stuff. And now it's like, you don't need either one of those. Right. And so mm. now instead of giving 50 million to one company, they're going to give a million to 50 companies and just basically play roulette and see mm. which one pops. Yeah. It's so funny. I, so I was working in a bar. I used to bartend uh, about that came to an end about 10 years ago. And one of the guys that kept coming in had a cool startup and he kept meeting with people for funding like over and over again at the bar. I'm like, dude, how many people have invested in this? And he's like, oh, we got 32 investors. Like, that's Good crazy. Lord. And he, I, why, why don't you just make, why don't you just make the money? Cause I knew he's just burning through money. Yeah. And he's like, because we're a startup. That's like that was his answer. And I was like, this is not going to, this whole operation is not going to end well. No, <laughs> this, I would not, but I would not bet on that mentality. I mean, this, if, if you, it, again, that's kind of, and I hate to say it cause it's, it's weird to say it now, but, that's old school mentality at this point. Right. You know what I mean? It is old school mentality to think, oh, I need to get funding to do my thing. Like there are so many free resources now that do so much cool stuff that if you are, if you think you need 50 million to do your thing, like for what? Yeah. For what? Tell me what you need 50 million. Like, please right. help me understand what you need 50 million dollars for. Right. I just, I don't get it. That that was the conversation I was having with them. I'm like, yeah. where, where, show me the linear line of like, yeah, money coming in, all all of what you're doing, and then like, how do people get paid at the end of this? Yeah, and yeah. it's like, what's like, the exit, right? Like, yeah. I, I, so it's, yeah, yeah I don't bananas. Know. Good luck to him. Um, I love the Tony Stark reference. That is such a good analogy for the future, right there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'd love to get into solution selling. So, yeah. uh, I would love to, to dive into, to like, so you've, you've studied the old school, 
uh, solution selling for mm-hmm. somebody that, you know, like a coach consultant or somebody that hasn't heard much of that method. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain it a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. I mean, it, it's just about instead of product pitching, you're asking questions, right? And, and, and so I think what, and if you look back in history, right, I, before the internet, I think this is kind of internet based, if you will, because before the internet, we had all the power as sales reps, because you didn't even know that you might not even know that I, that I, that what I have is even available to you. Right. So when I knocked right. on your door and I said, Hey, check this thing out. You were like, Holy shit. What is that? And I could easily stand up and pitch you on this entire thing. Cause you sat there and were like, Oh my God, I've never seen that before. So yes. And so even if it was even remotely a need, right? Or something that was even pseudo interested, you listened to my product pitch and I could drone through a 30, you know, 30 minute demonstration and not ask any questions, not really engage because it was that impressive. The internet came out and that took all that power away from us. And it put all the power in the hands of the consumer because now they have more access to information than they've ever had before in their lives. I mean, there's, we've all heard the Gartner stat that by the time somebody comes to us, they're already 60 to 70% of the way through the sales process, right? Blah, blah, blah. So solution selling really is, is, is now it's, it's kind of considered a little old school, but it's really just about asking questions like, okay, you know, qualifying really, and just saying, Hey, well, what do you need for this? And then based on the answers to those questions, producing the components of your solution or the solution that fits what the client needed versus what you thought they needed type of thing. Now, the problem with that approach is the client doesn't always know what they need. Right. So the client doesn't always, they kind of have a narrow view of things. And because of you and your industry and your experience with all this stuff, you could bring some, some additional context to the equation. That's why, for instance, Challenger Sale came out. Right. Challenger Sale now is about 10 years old, but it's actually probably even older than that. Um, but Challenger Sale, the concept there was, you know, there's two sides of challenger sale. One is lead with insights, which is, you know, hey, this is where the trends in the industry are going and, and this is how I can help you address that. And so I'm going to educate you. But the other side of challenger sale is literally challenging somebody, right? So you don't say this, but this is the mentality where you go, hey, look, you make this decision once a year. I help people make it every day, right? Let me show you where people make good decisions and bad decisions, right? Mm. Now, if you don't do it right, you come across pretty arrogant with that approach, but <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I don't like like, hey, look, I'm smarter than you. I like challenging people by asking them questions that get them to think, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of does dovetail into solution selling. But those are the fundamental components of it, at least. I love it. And so I can see where it's kind of sales have evolved over time and Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the approach and like we're talking about the sensitivity of just (laughs) the general public these days. what what nuances have changed recently and like how are you handling that with all the large companies that you're working with yeah, i mean the, things are changing daily at this point i mean i think it's <laughs> i think you know the trend right now is that there's a there's a huge trend uh, you know going towards plg which is you know product led growth which means you know, instead of me pitching you some huge solution, right, that I'm going to get it in your hands and I'm going to have you and a bunch of people use it and I'm going to see how you use it. And then I'm going to upsell you basically say, okay, so a bunch of individual users. So use an example like Slack, right? Mm. Slack or any of those tools, like you and I can download Slack and we can use it, right? So I can set up Slack for free 
And if I'm in an organization, all of a sudden five of us do it, 10 of us do it, 50 of us do it and that type of stuff. And what the Slack is doing is they're looking at the usage data and they're seeing how you and I are using this. And then they're using that data, then reach back out to us and say, hey, Jason, you know, uh, I see you and your team are using this. Have you talked about these functions? By the way, are you interested in a kind of more of an enterprise solution here so you can get more insights into it? So it's more the bottom up approach. And it goes back to that that um, that stat by Gartner as far as you know forty three percent of the reps forty forty three percent of people want a rep free experience. What they're saying there is they don't want to be sold, right? People loved and y'all hear this. People love to buy; they hate being sold, right? right. So, I think that's the shift: is that we got to help people buy. And so this the shift towards education, the shift towards. The, like the the sleazy tactics of sales, like those are those are gross. And I'm sorry, there's some charlatans in our space that I'm going to call out the Grant Cardones of the world, the the Wolf of Wall Streets of the world. Those are the ones who are still doing the hey buy today and and it's just like yeah. all right, dude. If you're selling fucking cars, go ahead. Even if you're selling cars though, these days people are the tolerance for that. I mean, I bought my Tesla online. I don't need a sales rep to buy a car these days, right? Carvana, right. you name it, right? But so I think the tolerance for those type of traditional sales tactics are 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 so far gone, right? Mm. The talk is is just zero at this point. So the consultative sale, the hey, let me help you make this decision. And by the way, it might be that we're not the best fit for you. You know what I mean? But let me help you make the right decision, and let's play the long game here. You know what I mean? So instead of that yeah. short game, and I think that's the challenge is the, is the balance here of organizations. And I, I always, you know, I'm, I'm kind of to a certain degree glad the whole tech industry fell apart a little bit because there was such a ridiculous top down VCs just stuffing it down and saying, go, 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 grow, 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 grow at all costs. And so it forced some terrible habits by sales reps. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. hey, here's a 80% discount if you sign up today, right? Like just because. And so I think now there's a little bit of a right sizing say, okay, we got to do scalable growth, like profitable growth, heaven forbid. And I think it's going to bid for a much better sales approach. And you couple that with product-led growth and most companies trying to go in that direction, you're going to start to see sales reps need to you know, become much more consultative, much more product-centric in the sense of understanding how the product works and helping the client at whatever stage the client is. Because it's, no, it's, no, it's not a, it cracks me up that sales organizations still have this linear sales process. There's no linear buying process. You know right. what I mean? The client doesn't go through stage one, stage two, stage three of their buying process. They go in, they do some research, they go out, they talk to some people, they try some stuff, they come back in, they pause for a bit, priorities change, they come back in. So we just have to be there for them when they're ready. And we have to keep coaching them on why they should do stuff. And we have to keep asking questions to make sure that they're understanding what their, what their real needs are and what the impact is of inaction, if you will. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's it's more of like a console uh, consultation, kind of like um, it's funny because it's almost like blurring the lines of sales and like the consultative co- coach as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of yeah. coming together more and more. Sales and CS are coming together. I mean, I think we're going back to full cycle sales across the board. Um, sorry, um, I think meaning we're, um, meaning that you know the and again SaaS. I'm talking mm-hmm. the you know predictable revenue model. The predictable revenue model, Salesforce kind of, you know, outlined that. And that was all that is, is the segmentation of roles, right? So instead of having one sales rep do everything, which is hard, right? To prospect, to meet, to propose, you know, close and everything else. 
where Salesforce, they, they segmented it out. So there's the inbound lead person that takes the inbound leads and tries to do those. Then there's the appointment setter, the SDR that makes the cold call. Then there's the AE that takes that meeting. And then there's the CS that takes it from there. So it's all these segments. And that was fantastic for a while for growth, for, for us as organizations to grow, because you could take cheap resource, relatively cheap resources out of college, right? Put them in the SDR role, kick the shit out of them for a bunch, right? And then they would grow into the full cycle sales rep, right? And that, that model worked. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that is not customer centric in any way, shape or form. No. Nobody wants to be handed off three times before they actually talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like you have a problem with like your cable bill or something like that, right? What do you do? You, you unplug your box, you reboot it, whatever it is. And then you call into the stupid 1-800 number. You get some junior kid who's going to ask you, did you reboot? Did you do this? Yeah, yeah. And you're going to spend 45 minutes talking to this kid about what the problem is. And then they're going to get to, oh, sorry, sir. I have to el- escalate this to you know, a technical resource. Yeah. And then when you get on the phone with that technical resource, they're like, how can I help? And you're like, dear God, please tell me that kid took some notes. Please tell me that those 45 minutes, I don't have to just reiterate everything that I just said there. And now you're pissed at the person, the only person that could probably help you, right? It's the same, that's what the predictable revenue model built basically is this disdain for this, like, because if I, I mean, think about it, right? Like you call me like, holy crap, you hit the holy grail, you cold call me and I pick up the phone and you give me a pitch that I'm like, actually, that sounds kind of interesting. What do you, tell me more about that. And then the kid goes, sorry, uh, I got to set up a meeting in two weeks with my AE who can actually bring you through that. It's like, what? Like you've already lost me. Like even if it was interesting, I'm already gone. And so I think we're going back to with AI because AI can do so much of that front end stuff so much better than how we've manufactured at this point. I think we're moving to a point you know, going back to Iron Man, where all of us are going to be sitting in front of a dashboard effectively. And instead of wondering who I should call today, we're going to get intent data and all this other stuff and to say, hey, John, you know, you need to call this guy because he just did this and his company's going there. And here's a couple of talking points based on his personality. And, you know, when you, you should actually call him instead of email him because his personality actually likes phone over email and uh, go from there. And I think it's just going to empower us to then run that full cycle sales with, you know, inbound leads coming from other sources of AI and everything else. So I love that. Well, we're seeing a little bit of that now on like the smaller markets using just kind of duct tape together CRM with, uh, yep. you know, chat GPT and kind of Zapier and all this stuff and mm-hmm. building out like a small version of that. Um, wh- what do you see right now? Like where, wh- what are some advantage points for the smaller non you know, VC company that, um, that they can take advantage of some of the tools that will be coming out to really kicks and butt. I I mean, it really obviously depends on what you're selling, but I mean, these days there's, you know, there, there are the cadence tools that still, that are adopting some of this AI that I think are doing pretty good. Like the, I think Apollo is doing a pretty good job with their cadence stuff. Um, their intent data too. I think the legacy ones are going to have a hard time making the shift, right? The expensive ones, the zoom infos, the sales lofts, the outreaches, I think they're going to have a challenge. Um, but man, there's, there's tools right now. Like, uh, I'm one of my favorites is clay.com clay.com is one of those where you can just, you can enrich. <laughs> so I can rip a whole list of, you know, basic demographic stuff. So, you know, I'll go into zoom info for, I'm sorry, I'll go into LinkedIn. Right. And I'll say, okay, here's my basic demographic profile. Give me a list of everybody that fits that profile industry size number of, you know, whatever. Well, then I can export that into an, a CSV file and then put it into clay and enrich the shit out of that data with such nuanced stuff. So like you could actually in clay, you could say, Hey, um, 
take a look at all these companies' websites, go on their website, go look at the job descriptions. And if in the job description, it says the word hunter, then enrich this and then send it this email when it does that, right? And then because of the prompts and the AI, you can send super hyper-personalized email based on all those little nuanced things that you can enrich it with, right? So you can legitimately turn on this engine where just it just runs in the background and it just hits you, you know, and, and it does a two, three-step cadence, you know, you get a you get an email response from somebody that says, "Hey, I'm interested." You set up the meeting with yourself and you go. So, I think so there's cool. there's tools like that. Then there's you know, look, I always used to hate the outsource model of um, lead generation because I was like, it, it was not your business, and you know, so they didn't never really resonate and never really worked for me. You know, you always went the script. If they say this, then do that. If they do this, then do that, and it never really worked. But now with AI, a lot of these outsource teams are actually doing some pretty killer stuff, right? Where they're automating LinkedIn where it'll go on your profile and like the last three uh con- like it, you know l- like the last three posts and then send you an email request with saying hey th- you know I love your recent post about blank would love to connect with you right and they can automate all that stuff so if you're a founder right now there's some opportunity right now for you to turn yourself into your own prospecting engine because that's where you know solopreneurs the hardest part, of all of it, is that that front end lead engine, right? Mm-hmm. And because they're, we're, we're usually like really good operators, we're really good at executing and doing what we do, the coaching or whatever it is. But it's that oh, I got a prospect, and how do I do that? And I got to leverage my network and all that other stuff. There's some there's some tools and engines you can turn on right now that you you can put that on autopilot. Now you got to be careful of spamming your network and all that other stuff and and going overboard. And you got to have offers and give you away free shit. And you got to do value and all that other stuff. But uh, it's it's getting closer and closer to just you know being a, a turnkey solution that you could just say, cool, turn the sucker on and let's see how it goes for very low cost too. By the way, so awesome, so awesome. Yeah. I love I love all that stuff and I love that you brought up marketing in that conversation. And it's just, it's funny how like sales and marketing are so, you know, similar. Usually people get into marketing without doing the sales first. I yeah. ended up getting into sales first and then the marketing and then the insights with that is just, yeah. it's so cool. I, th- there was one sales rep that we, that we got one time and and she was just, she was phenomenal, phenomenal out of the gates. And she was working at um, uh, Jenny Craig yeah. and they have a crazy crazy process over there of like sure. outbound and stuff. Yeah. I don't even know at the time, like, yeah. uh, you know, it's, and she came in and she just her confidence and, and yeah. we were having the sales meeting and I said, why are you so good? Tell me about your family. Cause I, obviously yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't something like this was, she was born with it, but you know, yeah. um, and just her family and, and her dad and what his, her dad been through and the ripple effect because he, learn the sales process and the power of that and the power of the confidence. And even in my own life, like I was very timid and and everything prior to this and didn't have the self-confidence. And then when I eventually started pushing myself in the, in the sales and just, it kind of like opened my eyes to a lot of stuff and just gives you that confidence, such a, such a cool tool. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like sales. What I try to tell people is that sales is, you know, everybody's in sales period. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, and, and because, and if you think of it this way, somebody told me this early in my career and I I still believe it to this day that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm, 
right? That's, mm. that's what it is, right? Because if it, and because I think the number one thing you need to be successful in sales is a belief in what you do. Like if you do not believe in what you do and that it really makes a difference for the right client, not for everybody, but for the mm. right client, if you don't believe that, then you're just a douchebag sales rep that gives us the bad name, right? Because you're just right. selling it for your commission check. But if you genuinely believe in what you sell, man, then, it, then you just got to go find people and transfer that enthusiasm. So you talk to an engineer, for instance, I, my first company was, I was the one sales guy within 50 engineers, right? And some of them were Linux engineers. And I don't know if you've ever hung out with Linux engineers, but they're a different breed, right? And they get one of my Linux engineer friends, he's like, you know how a Linux engineer likes you? And this was his joke, not mine. He said, they look at your <laughs> shoes instead of theirs when they talk to you, right? So, the, the, but you, you'll talk to one of those super introverted Linux engineers and you'll say, you know what, you're in sales. And they'll be like, no, I'm not. Are you out of your mind? Like I'm, a, I'm out as far away from sales as you can possibly imagine. I'm like, okay, cool. Hold on. And let me ask you something. Could you explain to me the last time you created something or you fixed something from a technical standpoint? Like last time you found a problem and fixed it or last time you created something like a product or whatever it is. Could you just explain to me like what happened there? And you will literally watch them light up like a Christmas tree and be like, oh man, the other day I was, I was in this code and I saw this thing and I did this and I was like, blah, 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 and I fixed it. And, I, blah, and that you'll see them get excited about it. And if that's something you need, be like, man, can I get one of those? Like, yeah, that's great. Right. So I mean, think about interviewing, think about selling your idea. You're, you're selling yourself, right? You're, you're trying to go for a promotion. You're selling, you're selling your ideas internally. So the skill of sales is so critical for every role that I think it, 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 it does nothing but to your point, give you confidence, you know, help. And if done the right way. And I think that's the problem is that people have this perception that you have to be some slimy douchebag and stuff shit down people's throats. And that is right. That to me is the exact opposite. Like people say like, John, what's your favorite movie, right? Sales movie. And it's like, well, most people assume Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Wolf of Wall Street, boy, <laughs> right? Wrong. Those are the worst sales movies I've ever seen in my entire life. They're great movies. They're super entertaining movies. Right, right. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like apparently I got to go find some lewds because those things look bananas, right? But <laughs> but like, but sales movies, those are, they're, they're the worst. You know, mm. and I'll, I'll tell everybody, my favorite sales movies are, are my two favorite sales movies. My, my second favorite is Pursuit of Happiness, right? Because mm. if you think of Pursuit of Happiness, like talk about hard work. I thought I worked hard. I, yeah. I don't hold a candle to that guy, right? I mean, he was holding, he was saving seven seconds of call for not hanging up the phone so he could get to the shelter so his kid could have a, you know what I mean? Like, good Lord, yeah. like that is beyond what I'd ever done. Um, but my favorite sales movie is Tommy Boy. Oh, yes. You, that shows you, our age right there. Like, right? <laughs> so well, good. If you think about it, remember Tommy Boy, right? Like, yeah, I always call oh, yeah. this, this point where you, um, you, I call it catching your sales groove, right? Where you wake up one day and you don't, you don't really know what happened, but it, it, it just clicks, right? And, and you stop and, and, and you catch your sales groove. And the day that happens is the day you stop pitching your solutions and you start having conversations about your solutions. Mm. You start caring more about what the client needs than you do about your commission check, right? Mm. And, and when that happens, oddly enough, your commission check starts going through the roof. And if you remember Tommy Boy, remember when he caught his sales groove, right? Helen, yeah. you look like a Helen let me tell you yeah. why I suck as a salesman. So say I'm going to some guy's office, say he's really interested in buying something from me. Oh, I got a Jojo, the Indian circus boy, the pretty pet, right? And she's like, wow, you're sick. Twist. Like, you know, I'll go fire up those wings. You go, oh, Tommy, like you told me what wing, right? In that moment, he caught a sales groove. Because if you think before that, he was trying to be his dad, right? He was like, you can stick your head up a butcher's ass, but no, that's not right. Like, and he was trying too hard because he was just, he was pitching. He was like, and, it, and then he just, he just was him. 
and he cared and he was funny and he was self-deprecating and, you know, and he, and he, and he had confidence in him. So, you know what I mean? So like, and all of a sudden he saves the town. Right. So that's my, that's a great example to me of how sales should be done. Right. Cause it's, it's, that's natural. I love that. That is the best favorite sales movie I've ever heard that is it's so it's so true. Is that where he um in that conversation on that switch? Is that where he lights the car on fire too? No, that's a different. Like, oh my that's god! Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you get yeah. validated. No, that's a total. That that's a pitch gone bad, right? That, yeah. That's him being yeah. way too comfortable being like, hey, because remember that was where David uh, David Spade or whatever was trying to do the nerdy pitch. Well, right. We have, and the guy was like, look, little man, I don't really you know yeah. know what you're talking about. And then Tommy comes in, he's like, oh, well, you know, let me let me tell you like the real shit, and then he just rose up all over himself and goes yeah. crazy and it's like uh get out right <laughs> oh it's so good so good well john thanks dude man you've gone the distance on this so i really appreciate it um tell me what are what lights you up what are you really excited about going forward in your business and then tell us how we can get a hold of you yeah i appreciate that you know what i'm fired up with i just recently kind of restructured things a little bit and i went back to kind of back to my roots if you will and so i'm back out front selling you know not that i didn't you know i i had built a company about 20 employees and you know i was i always sell but uh you know uh, I, I i stopped hardcore selling for a while right and when when the bottom fell out in q1 I had to go back to hardcore selling and so i kind of focused back on me and and really trying to not tell me like i don't have the answers i don't have all the answers i don't pretend to right but i'm curious enough to go figure them out and um so i got my membership now where i do live training every single uh um, i got two core programs i got filling the funnel driving to close and it's prospecting and then negotiations and i deliver those every single month live um to whoever joins the membership and then i do workshops on on sales skills and tech skills so bring a lot of co- like ai tools in for kids who are way smarter than me and i basically mm-hmm. am trying to learn out loud in front of you know i'm like hey i'm i'm a i'm a novice here on this ai stuff teach me how to work on this stuff right and so with that, and then um, yeah, I got a whole online catalog. So for anybody who joins the membership, they basically get everything that I got, live coaching, training, one-on-one stuff, all the resources that I have. And I'm just trying to level up, right, and help people who care. Like the, the, the I always say, I, I live between the world of the give a shit factor and unconscious competence. I can't get you to give a shit, right? Right. If, if you don't give a shit, I, I don't give a shit about you. Like, go away. Right. If you're looking for the silver <laughs> bullet, I want nothing to do with you because there is none, yeah. right? But if yep. you care... I will give you every tip, tool, thing I've ever come up with to, to help you get to that level of unconscious competence where you just don't need this stuff anymore, right? And so that's the world. If people are really willing to put in some work um, but have some fun doing it, that's, that's what I'm fired up for right, these days. So you can go to my site, jbarrows.com, which is J, the letter J, B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. Check out the membership. There's a ton of free stuff on there too. I got a YouTube channel. I got my Make It Happen Monday podcast that I give, you know, talk to people like you and everybody else with as well. Yeah, and just having some fun, man. I, I think it's, uh, there, there's a ton of cool resources out there um, and there's a ton of free stuff and a ton of paid stuff. And I'm just kind of taking my little piece and trying to build my little empire the way I want to. And, and hopefully some people enjoy it along the way. Love it, man. JB, thank you so much for for joining today. Really appreciate it. Jason, thanks for having me on, man.